Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cubs, Bulls, and White Sox talk coming up for you on the Windy City Podcast. The Cubs have been playing great baseball. It's been impressive, losing games by only one run in the month of May, getting a tremendous performance from their bullpen. I am all in on this Cubs team, making it very, very difficult on Jed Hoyer, Tom Ricketts, and company to actually blowing up the team. And if they do... It might work out okay that you get a ton of value, as painful as it would be. The White Sox, White Sox fans brawling in the outfield, best brawls in baseball, White Sox history, a lot to cover on a Yermin Mercedes motivated a White Sox segment part of the podcast, if you will. And then, yes, of course, the Bulls season is over, but the NBA playoffs are here. And we're looking at you, LeBron James, LaFlop. LeBron's just shaken up. He's down on one knee on the court. LaFlop, LaFlop, you are a great, great, great basketball player and at the same time an embarrassment to great, great basketball players everywhere. Could this be another fine for LeBron James on the flop right there? Has to be. The flop with Chris Paul, and there's just so many over the course of time. I know I'm biased. I know that. Jordan to the end, I hate the comparison. LeBron James, I'll say it a zillion times, though. Phenomenal basketball player. Phenomenal. Do I think he's the second greatest of all time? Probably not, but consensus-wise, he is. Mike won LeBron, too. And some people think that he's number one. So for those who are throwing shade at him, saying he's number two or number five behind, say, Kareem and Wilt or whoever you want to put up there, that's not exactly an insult. But when he tries to sell calls it's a flop. and just watching how the NBA, and again, I'm admitting to my bias, but it just seems logically that the league gives the Lakers calls because they want the Lakers in the playoffs. I hope that's not the case. 
But we certainly saw that as the case back in the day when they played the Sacramento Kings. That series was an absolute joke. And if you watch game two against Phoenix, particularly in the first half, either Jay Crowder was on the take or the refs were on the take. Or we have some of the worst referees of all time. I think it's – I just think there's some incentive to having the Lakers around. And, look, you've got two of the best five players in the league. Anthony Davis is coming back. And don't give them credit, by the way. Do not give the Lakers a seven-seed win in it all. They sat out half the season. They're not nearly as tired as who they're going against. LeBron's been having ten toes up on the couch for two, three months getting ready. And, yeah, okay, he's not perfect coming to the playoffs, but it's coming back awful quick. That's what happens when you're an all-time great player. And then you're just that much more rested. So it's almost like they've cheated the system. When you're going for a back-to-back, part of the accomplishment is the grind. There hasn't been as much of a grind for the Lakers. Davis got hurt, sat out, missed most of the year. LeBron got hurt, and now their two best players, who they're going to rely on, are fresh and ready to go. I don't care that they're seven seed. Who cares if they don't have one less home game? Going through the Phoenix Suns and the winner of Portland and Denver? I mean, get out of here. There aren't any dynamic teams in the West, period. So the seeding is irrelevant. And then whoever gets through the East, that's going to be a bloodbath. Brooklyn, you'll have the best chance, but will Brooklyn still be standing? Is Kyrie going to be able to handle it? Will KD be able to handle it? We shall see. So that's all coming up here on the Windy City Podcast. But first, the Windy City Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. You get 20% off whatever you order and free worldwide shipping. That's right, manscaped.com. Put in that promo code FANSIDED20. And go get yourself the Lawnmower 4.0. You will love the product. It gives you the ability to use four different guard lengths. However, you want to look down low, however clean you'd like to be, you have options with the Lawnmower 4.0. It does have a light, you could use it in the shower. If you're trimming your face with what you're trimming your down low with, you got to make some changes, like, baby, it's time to upgrade. Get that Lawnmower 4.0. It's got the new wireless charging system. This is what you need. You and your download will thank you. 20% off free shipping. Fansided 20, the code, manscaped.com. Showtime. I love how you pick out the one bad thing I said about it because, and I'll get to this in a second. I was the one that was bullish on the bullpen to use a, to use a bad pun there, but I will say this. He's looked a lot better the last couple of times outs, just like in game of Thrones with winter, the regression is coming for a Dan Winkler. Oh, I, oh. I'm just waiting for it. He's going to have one of those games where he just walks like seven guys, hits a batter, gives up a bomb. And all of a sudden the ERA is up to like four, but I will say he's looked good. However, on the flip side, I was wrong about a few things going into the year. We could talk about that, Nico Horner being one. The one thing I felt good about was the bullpen potentially being a lot better than what these people thought. And I didn't know exactly how it was going to come into play, but some of the young arms, Kimbrell, Tapera and Chafin, we knew thought could be good, but Steele, Thompson, like, I mean, this is a – I don't think this is like a – Shot in the pan? Like, I think they got a good pen. Burnfield, step in here, and you should call up the Dylan Dam Maples family. 15 and two-thirds. He's given up six hits. 
He has walked 10, but he struck out 25. Dude's got a 1.02 whip, a 172. You wanted him shipped off on the first uh, boat to China. Is that Still O'Brien? Do. <laughs> no, you can't. You yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He's a waste he of a roster spot. He pitches once every two weeks. He, he doesn't pitch he in high leverage. Guys, he can't throw a strike. The bullpen, I'm with you. Beto, you were right about the bullpen. I was not. I'm starting to believe in their bullpen. I mean, right now they have the fourth best ERA among bullpens in Major League Baseball. The only three teams that are better are San Diego, Cleveland, and the Yankees. The Cubs bullpen is legitimately very good right now. And I don't know if it's sustainable. I tend to believe it probably is not, but they're getting it done. And I think that they deserve a lot of credit. They have the fourth best batting average against among bullpens. They're not, and I think that they still walk a few too many guys, but they're third right now in terms of uh, most walks allowed by a bullpen. So maybe that's where you see some of the regression coming, but their bullpen's good. I mean, listen, Sunday night was the perfect example of what a good bullpen can do. They get into trouble in the seventh inning. They have bases loaded, nobody out. Ryan Tapera pulls a rabbit out of his hat and somehow manages to get out of the inning without allowing a run when he has yeah. to face Arenado and other members of the middle of that lineup for St. Louis. So after the umpiring the, yeah, fiasco, where the dude was out twice at third base, <laughs> they didn't call it. Yeah, so <laughs> it's working right now. It's working. I don't know if this bullpen is that good or if they're just pitching really well right now, but it is causing them to be competitive when their starting pitching is basically five innings a game at most. Right. So it's, I will give them credit where it's due. The bullpen is good right now. Neither of you are allowed. Well, maybe you're allowed. I I guess I'm, I I can't control these things, but you can't be nerd seam head baseball guy. I'm like, I'm telling you that they're going to regress. These dudes are getting dudes out. How about our guy, Tommy Nance, T Nance, our guy, Instagram post Bleacher Nation did a great job on a piece on him. July 1, 2017. I feel like I almost have to read the whole thing here. Rehab. This is Tommy Nance at Tom Nance 34. Rehabbing my way back to the playing field. He writes in every ounce of my being feels tested. The easy choice would be to just accept the setback and give up, give up the one dream I've had since I was a little kid. The difficult choice would be to trust the process and work my butt off each and every day to continue to make my vision a reality for me. And he goes on and on. I think I had 7,000 injuries. He worked his way through college ball and independent ball and the low minors pandemics. That dude is 30 years old, getting his first chance in the big leagues. He was a 28 year old reliever in double a kept going. Those of us who are 47 still trying to crack it in this sad-ass business. Tommy Nance, damn it. I freaking love that guy. I've never rooted for the Cubs team more than I've rooted for this team in a long time because I just I just want them to <laughs> I thought you were going to say forever. I was like, you are so full of crap. No, no, yeah, no, no. That, that is definitely not true. It, no, it's it's not. But since 2016, like 17, like even when they lost, I, I it didn't I didn't really care. Like it was kind well, of yeah, because they had just won. Right. And then 
like 18, 19, 20. I just wasn't, I wasn't that into it. I really wasn't. But this team, because they are, are so close to ripping it all apart, and because I want Chris Bryant to stick it up their ass, which he's doing, I'm very invested in them winning. And they, they've lost I, seven games this month, all of them by one damn freaking run. run. Yeah. That, yep. that's I got a confession. I got a confession. You're with me? You're with me. You're with I'm, me. I'm in. I'm in on this team. <laughs> I am in. On the 2021 Chicago Cubs. Yeah, but that that is no surprise. You are the optimist I, I mean, of the three of us. I have been, you're right, I'm Mr. Optimist typically, but on this podcast, I've been pretty, like, they're mediocre. It's not the present-day Cubs. I'm, I mean, I'm, yes, I think they're entertaining to an extent, more so than the last couple of years, even though they won last year. I don't think, like, I mean, I think they're making it very difficult on the front office to pull the plug on everything because of the impending free agents. You have some exciting new young pitching coming up, even if they're bullpens. Alzali looks like a guy that can be involved. I think if you, if they can have, I mean, the financial thing is one thing, but if they can keep the, I hate, I can't believe I'm saying this, but keep the core around, have some of these young guys, like they can add to this team. There was some money come off the books and they can, they can be there. I don't see 2020 rebuild with the way this thing's going right now. I feel good. I'm in. Beto, I hear what you're saying. And I'm not, let me preface what I'm going to say with this. It's clear that their bullpen looks really good today. And I agree with you. Edward Alzali looks like he's something and they might have some pitchers in this bullpen, but they're 25th in the majors in starting pitching ERA. And I don't really foresee that getting better. So I don't know that sustainably you could win with a pitching staff that from a starting perspective really isn't very good. And while I would agree that Kyle Hendricks will improve because his career would suggest that he's not terrible the way he's been for most of this season, except for about three starts, you would think he's going to be a lot better the rest of the way that improves you marginally. But I still think their starting pitching is not good enough. And put it this way, the only way, the Cubs are really in this is if St. Louis gags because St. Louis has the best team in this division, in my opinion, on paper, even if they have flaws. So unless if St. Louis plays below what they're capable of being, then the Cubs can hang around. But I also think that like to what you were saying, so let's play this out. So the Cubs don't make any trades. They stay in this through the, throughout the season. They miss the playoffs by four games, whatever it is. And then you go into an off season where you, you have an owner that traded a Cy Young pitcher to save $68 million. Are we to believe that all of a sudden he's going to open the pocketbook and pocketbook? What am I a hundred years old? He's going to open up his Venmo and start paying Chris Bryant oh, wow. and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez and all these guys to keep them run. And then, Oh, by the way, they still have a starting pitching problem. So then you're going to go sign a star. I mean, like what, what would have to happen yes. for them to actually no, make no. the financial investment to be good? No, 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 no. The last thing we need is a logical <laughs> thought through take of why this team sucks or won't be good down but, the line. That, that's but again, not, but we, that, we that's talked we about need. it though. We said at the beginning of the season, I think the three of us to varying degrees, I know we joked about some of the other things, but I think we all agreed that if they played to their capability, like if, the, if everything went right for this roster, they probably would be what they are, right? We're, Which is no, we 500 or a little better. We were wrong. We were wrong. Dead wrong. We did not realize the bullpen. Was I, I just think the arrows pointed up. 
Dude, look. I don't know. Listen, Chris Bryant last year, he was 135th out of 151 National League hitters hitting the fastball, the four seam fastball. Because I'm really got, I've got my seam head hat on today, and it's embarrassing. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust out the stats. You know where he is this year on the four seamer out of 151 National League hitters? Top ten. He's fourth, damn it. The the dude is just crushing baseballs. Hey, by the narrative, Carm, he and his dad worked out in Vegas. They changed his changed his yeah. swing. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah. He's back to MVP form. Yeah, 200 hacks a day at high fastballs. They, they've got him standing more upright. They said, Chris, all they're doing, him and Mike Brent, all they're doing is throwing you high fastballs. You're Chris freaking Bryant. You're one of the most talented guys in the entire game. You can figure this out. Bryant, is, he's hitting the ball harder than he hit it in his MVP year. He's, his average exit velocity, seam head calm, 88.3 miles per damn hour. All right? His launch angle. It's down this year to he's to 13.4. That uppercut Chris Bryant swing, he's just smoking line drives all over the field. I am in love with this guy. Like, he, everybody who was betting against him, I was like, he's Chris Bryant. He, there's no way he's not going to like, there's no way he sucks. He's just, you don't come and he's in. Healthy. With, and he's healthy. That's the other thing. And he's, he's healthy. healthy. And yeah. he's a, but he's, but he's like a, he's the perfect dude. He's the guy that goes home to Vegas and works with the dad nonstop because he's, he's not going to just sit there and rest on his laurels and all the money he's made. He's going to try to get back to being Chris Bryant because he loves playing damn baseball. Aside from the fact that he plays every freaking position, 10, 10 OPS. He had nine thirty. his OPS was nine thirty nine when he won the MVP in 2016. Yeah. The dude, what he's also doing He's showing that it's possible to evolve as a hitter. And I think other players, like the Cubs would try to grind pitchers out into a pitch count five years ago, for example, till they were out in the fourth or fifth inning. And that was a good strategy then. It's not anymore because people go to the pen pen in the fifth inning anyways. They're not trying to go seven, eight, nine innings. The bullpens are so good nowadays across Major League Baseball that that strategy isn't as sound anymore. So Brian evolves. Anthony Rizzo's talked about swinging earlier in counts too. So I just think in general, what he's done has been remarkable that, and you add in actual versatile balance contact hitters throughout the lineup to supplement the sort of these core hitters. And now I, I'm just more bullish about the team's future than I've been at any point in the last three years. Is it an overreaction to the last two weeks? Probably, but it might not be. Can I build on something? Cause I think you just said something that might be, that might be a stroke of genius that you may not even have thought that you just said. So what if, what if, what if we play this out for a second? One of the things that we always criticized the last two or three years and the decline of the Cubs, or at least one of the things that I think a lot of the seam heads, as you would say, Carm, have said about why the Cubs have underachieved is that they were getting passed by, right? Like from a, from a strategic standpoint, they had too many of the same player. They didn't invest in getting a better bullpen. They haven't done the things that they've needed to do to stay ahead of baseball the way some teams are like the Rays or whatever, right? Maybe now we are starting to see the glimpse, and maybe this is an overreaction too, but to Beto's point, maybe we are now starting to see the glimpse of the fact that the Cubs are starting to evolve in a positive way, which could allow this core to mature and then 
become the core of a team that might be able to win. They're making more contact over the last month. I mean, they didn't make any contact in April. So assuming that they made any contact, that was going to be better, but they are more contact making their bullpen is way better. And maybe it's the case that the starting pitching does not have to be superstar for them to win. Because as you just said, Beto, and you're right, many of the teams in baseball that win now don't have starting pitching. So they have to build a great bullpen. Is it possible that the Cubs are evolving in a way that we never considered, and they might be able to keep some of these same guys, but win in a different way. Is that crazy? April 20th, David Ross. Way to go, David Ross. In a Joe Madden August of 2015 way, he said, you know what? I'm not waiting till August like Madden did. I'm putting in Matt Duffy. Jake Mariznick, go out there and play center field. Nico Horner, you're getting called up. That's right. We're actually going to put the ball in play. And they started playing better baseball. Cubs driving in a runner from third with less than two outs. They're 55.3% seam head calm. That's fourth in baseball. I would probably make the argument, as I watch Chris Bryant on the on Beatles te- television screen behind me and I get turned on, I would make the argument that the Cubs are maybe the worst team in the history of baseball runner on third with less than two out. This year, they're fourth. So there, there's something going on here, Jordan Burnfield, to what you're saying. They're running more. We got stolen bases going on. We've got we've got runners taking extra bases. All of this is good stuff. Baseball reference <laughs> defense defi- looks good. Baseball reference defines a productive out as one of three options when a pitcher successfully sacrifices with one out, advancing any base runner with none out, driving in a base runner with the second out. Cubs are third, third in baseball. I'm reading a lot of stats today, but like look, I mean they're they're doing they're doing a lot of uncub things at least to the last couple of year Cubs for sure. That's Cub. We, we, Cub, right. Cub, Cub together. That's that's the that's whole the, thing. All the slogans. Like, yeah, that, that like that whole thing. That's Cubitry. That's uncub. We should just just focus on being uncub. <laughs> this thing, they all the things we overvalued for a while. Like we overvalued things like bunting and hitting behind the runners, and for good reason. But now because we overvalued it for so long, it's almost undervalued. Like you still need to be fundamentally sound. And to your point, like driving in a runner with, with contact, especially since pitchers are so much better. They throw so much harder. They've evolved to hitters uppercut swings. They're throwing higher. So it's like, who's the next to change? And the Cubs have actually shown the willingness to do. And Carm, your point, man, like, I don't want to like say to like always give the manager credit or the blame, but I think David Ross has done a good job getting buy-in and saying, screw it. Like we're going to make some changes. And if you're not like changing the way you go about doing things, you're not going to play. We're going to throw these other dudes with career 650 OPSs into the lineup. And, and, it, and it's worked at least in a small sample. So let's just say that we agree with, I guess, Jordan's premise at the start here that there's a zillion reasons to think this ain't going to work out of data and they don't have enough pitching. Okay. So you punt on the season. Hey, Chris Bryan, you're playing the best ball of your career. You can play literally every position on the field. You're one of th- three MVPs to start, I think, five games at five different positions. He's with Johnny Bench and Jackie Robinson in baseball history, one of three freaking guys. You're trading that dude, and now his value's back up. If I told you that you could trade Chris Bryant before the deadline this year and then you actually signed him back after the season – Done. Yeah. Done. In a in. heartbeat. Like that's, yes. the, that's the home run of all home runs, right? If you yes. can trade him yeah. and bring him. So what's the conversation? Hey, Chris, it's Jed. We're going to give you a chance to win a world series, but I promise you, we do not want to trade you. 
but we're going to do it right now because we're not pitching set up to win the World Series. And I'm telling you, we will be, whatever the money is, I'm telling you, we are going to be at the top. We will be above anyone else. We want you back. I think that's the conversation. If you want to go, let's go trade Araldis or, you know, Gliber Torres, Araldis Chapman, part two, 2021, bring, bring back Chris Bryant, 2022. Well, the other part of that, though, and I, I don't disagree with the premise, but the other part of that is that happen, if right? I'm Chris Bryant, I want assurance that they're going to invest in other areas besides yeah. signing me because they're not good enough to win right now. So if Chris Bryant wants to win another World Series, then signing here, I think, requires that they're going to make investments in other guys. So you have... Rizzo up at the end of the year. Everyone's just assuming that Rizzo is going to be back because everyone thinks he's going to be cheap, but he's not really going to be cheap per se. He's still probably going to get a hundred million bucks. And I think that Baez, whether or not he's here, and I'm leaning towards the idea that he probably is not here on a long-term deal unless he plays his way out of it this season, then they're still going to have to go sign another pitcher. So if, if we're looking at this realistically, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, rain on the parade here, but I just don't see Tom spending $500 million this offseason coming off a pandemic where they did not have full houses until perhaps July, whenever that is, and saying, we're going to go all in on this roster. When, to be fair, Anthony Rizzo is going to be 32, Chris Bryant's going to be 30, Javi Baez is getting close to 30. I mean, you also don't want to put yourself in a Detroit Red Wings kind of position where you sign every guy to a long-term contract and they're just all old, expensive, and bad. So I think that, you know, you don't want to get carried away here because they're going to have to sign a starting pitcher and have other guys that you involve in this to legitimately and realistically be in a position to win. He's spending the 500 mil. I don't know what you're saying. I would want blank checks, 87 for Andre Dawson everywhere. Just here you go. I agree, but you think Tom's full face? I'm full on blind. Tom's not. Yes, because I'm 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 blind blind and I'm excited. (laughs) I know I I get the hesitation, but I really world we're doing it. Honestly, down. I don't care. I don't care if they sign Rizzo. Like I really don't. I I think you do. I do. I think you do. I don't think I do. I'm not sure that I do. You do. You do. You, okay. You care. Okay. I'm telling you that we you care. save this tape because the day that Anthony Rizzo is not a cub, you're going to start this podcast with screw you Ricketts. How could you let no, I won't. the I face won't. of the Cubs go for the last 10 years? The guy should have a statue. How could you possibly do that? Like we're running this back because this is an old takes exposed carm take. That is definitely going to come back. To what, when they lose Chris Bryant, I'll have a meltdown on the podcast. When 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 Rizzo signs with whoever for four years and 120 million, or four years and what do you think? That's not happening. Hundred? What do you think he gets? Four. That's thirty a year. I, I know. think like five for like nineties aggressive. Even I think the Cubs would do five. Goldschmidt didn't even get four for one twenty, did he? Okay, look, look. Do you think you think the Cubs can get him for four for 80, 20 a year? Let's do easy math. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at the comps, but first glance, unless he wants a five, but 20 a year? 
my point is this. Do you think he's going to do that, though? I feel like he wants more of a thank you contract than that. I think he's going to want five, like five. And I think he's going to, I think five for 110 gets it done. What, what's, what's your order? Bryant Rizzo, Bryant Rizzo, Baez, and consider the, and just, you know. My order is Bryant Rizzo, Baez. Okay, Beto. And, and I want you to consider in your answer, and maybe you have the same answer, Jordan, but the, what it most likely will cost and that the impact of that on the rest of the roster. So that, and that, like, like Brian Rizzo, will be most expensive. Right. Rizzo, I think, and he Baez, have, and that'll, Baez, limit you. I'm not sure. Baez, Baez, Baez I think, would be more expensive than Rizzo because of the, the age, the position, all that. But I don't have position. a really good mm-hmm. feel for what Baez is going to get in the open market because. If you look at how baseball is changing, he doesn't make contact. He is a really good defender, but does make a lot of errors in the field. And his range is going to get worse as he ages. And he's also, he doesn't get on base and he doesn't make a lot of contact. So these are two things that are major strikes against the way baseball is moving. He's going to get enormous money. You think he's going to get enormous money? I do. I do. Look at at Bogarts. And he shouldn't get it from the Cubs. What, what about Bogarts? Decent comp. Bogarts, if you think he's better, fine. But his contract is reasonable. It's not Lindor style. And I think that would be a decent comp of what he got on the open market. I so mean, I don't know exactly what that is. The high teens annually. Vito, you're analytical. What would I don't you know. pay Let's by? talk about Davies and Jock Peterson. Let's. What are their contract values? Because Davies has a sub-2 ERA in May. And Carm's boy, Jack Peterson, is, is slugging like crazy this month. Are you going to give him a little bit of love after he, all the Jack hate? Great call. Let's give Jack some love. And you know what I like the most about our guy, Jack Peterson, who came His back mustache? from – The mustache is a little, a little heinous, Ooh. but that, that's, that's not great. Not great. But, but he – what I like about him is that he's very much a part of the team. Like, I just, just total – high school Carm here. Like he, he, you, you go to that dugout when something's going well, Peterson's he's got the pom-poms out. Like this is this he's, he's blending into that. He's a part of the cub. He's a, he, he clearly enjoying being here. And like, he's gotten away from being just all or nothing. The, the dude's been getting base knocks all left and right. I mean, give the guy credit. He, he deserves it. Jock is, has righted the jock ship. That, that is a true story. I just, I, I don't know. I think they've, they're lucky to, I picked the Brewers to win the division. The Brewers have not been healthy. They have better starting pitching, a lot better starting pitching. Their bullpen's still probably they like you'd rather face the Cubs bullpen outside of Kimbrell than Hader and you know Williams, even though the Cubs might have better numbers to this point. But their offense isn't very good and they haven't been healthy. So if the Cubs can keep offensively like scoring in different ways and not having fake numbers that they put up. Cause at the end of the year, the last few years, the Cubs have had, like you look at the overall numbers and runs scored, you're like, Oh, they're not that bad, but all runs are not weighted equally. Meaning like they would have these, and it wasn't just a narrative. It was true. They'd have these games where they'd score 12 and then zero, 12 and zero all based on, you know, the three outcomes, but just being able to consistently put up four on occasion is more valuable than scoring 12, zero, zero in a three game span. So to be able to do that, I think will put them in better position through the year where they can have the best offense or the most depth of their offense and any team in the central. And I think that in St. Louis has obviously got maybe like Arenado and Goldschmidt, the toughest middle, 
But I, I wouldn't say the Cardinals are more talented. They have the worst. They have the highest walk rate baseball-wise in bullpen. So we talked about the Cubs' walk rate. Their starting pitching is is kind of suspect too, but might be better than the Cubs. But I don't discount them as, as the better team on paper than the Cubs. I don't. I think it's close. I do. I do think that they're better. I, I get what you're saying. I also think that the Brewers – I mean, the, the Brewers' pitching is really good. Their starting really pitching good. is really good. And I think that, like you said, the back end of their bullpen – is way better than anything that the Cubs can throw out there. I do think, though, that the Brewers' offense is kind of bad. I mean, it's it's really bad. So my thing is, if the Brewers get in the playoffs, I wouldn't want to face them. But I think that it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs without improving their offense because over the course of 162, their lineup is, is bad. And their lineup yes. is legit bad. If it goes the way – if it goes south, Right now, Jed Hoyer, fire sale. Chris Bryant, you're going to get a lot more than you would have gotten in the offseason for him. Whatever it's going to be, hopefully it's, it's, a, it's a decent haul. I don't yeah. even want to say these things, but I would think you'd do all right. I would think Javi would pull you something awful nice too, but not as much as Chris, but something decent. I don't think they would trade Rizzo, but Craig Kimbrell's a piece that should get you something. Absolutely, right? Even Jock Peterson, but a steal of a you know flyer play that, that they, they hit on. You got a lot of potential if you do go the other way that won't be popular to really restock things and set yourself up. I, I, that's, I, that's probably... I mean, there's got to be some pretty intense conversations going on over there that, uh, hey, man. Uh, and, and Jed, whenever he's interviewed, like, look, we're just going to let it play out. So we've got two months to see what's going to happen here. And he's right to say that. Everything you read from Ken Rosenthal to Tom Verducci or whoever, whoever you dial up on the national scene, everybody thinks the Cubs are going to be sellers. Very few people think that they're going to actually go all in and pay these guys. And I assume these people are dialed yeah. into what's going on, right? Not as much as us, though. That's right. We know way more. Uh, we are we are locked in. It is a predicament, though. I used that in a GIF a conversation today. Remind me of that with that with the movie Face Off with John Travolta, and Nick Cage. Great action movie in the late '90s, where John Travolta goes, "Oh, what a predicament!" And that kind of reminds me of this situation that the Cubs are in right now. And this is maybe the easiest stretch of their schedule. And there's two months left till the deadline, so it's very intriguing. This is the most like, most interested I've been. Because this next two months almost feels like determines the trajectory of where they're going to go the next two to three years. I put a poll on Twitter asking if the Cubs are good with the answers yes, maybe, or no. And the most votes went to maybe. And I'm still in the maybe camp. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I'm not ready to buy them as a team. And so I think that's why when you see these, you know, baseball experts talking about them, that there isn't a lot of, appetite for this idea that the Cubs are all of a sudden good, right? Like they have had a good stretch recently. Their bullpen has been amazing, but of the 254 voters, 57% said maybe. And that's where I am. Like I need to see more of this. I really don't think that you can win in the long term, just being a good bullpen, an offense that has been hot lately, but was terrible early. So I don't know what they are. And their starting pitching is meh. I, I do think that we should make, and the Cubs really should make any decisions about this season based on Burnfield's Twitter following. That's correct. <laughs> yes. The maybes. It's a very scientific and uh, it's very representative. Right. Yeah. Great data, obviously. You know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, I, I think that there's a reason why people feel this way because 
They were terrible at the beginning of the year. They're playing well now, but I don't want to get carried away and act like this team is all of a sudden a world. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think so either. I just, I think everyone wants to sell the Cubs. Like if they're a stock, everyone's like, get out of there. They're going to tank. I'm going contrarian. You know, I'm going, I'm going AMC stock. I'm going GameStop. Everyone's getting rid of it. I'm buying it. And I, right. I feel good about that. Uh, I feel good about the trajectory better than I did the last really two, two, three years. I, I want to do one trivia before you guys, uh, we get on out here, uh, three minutes to play in the podcast for real now, as the Zoom uh, call is ticking down. Hey, Jordan, do you know who's leading Major League Baseball in batting average, which is a stat that apparently doesn't count, but it's going to count right now? No. Beto, do you know? I, not a clue. Okay. Well, he's a former Cub. You want to guess? A former Cub? Yep. Oh, DJ LeMayhew. Nope. Oof, good guess, though. Not a Bill bad Miller. No, no, he, no not Bill retired. Miller. Loved him. He did win the batting title, though. And he was oh, a great I know. I bet I know Nash where you're going with this. Did you look it up? Did you cheat? No, but I bet I know where you're going with this. Where am I going? Is this the they got rid of Nick Castellanos? Yeah, it is. Having a good year. Is he really leading the major leagues in hitting? Nick Castellanos, who who came over here and all he did was play amazing baseball. Yet your guy Tom Ricketts couldn't find the money to pay this dude. He's hitting 356, 13 doubles, 12 homers, 30 RBIs, OPS of 1,085. Couldn't pay Castellanos. That guy was flat out incredible when he came over here. I, that one just—I just, just didn't get it. Like, hey, uh, is anybody paying attention? This dude's really good at baseball, and he's got an intensity to him that you probably want in your clubhouse. Yeah. Really so Ricketts wouldn't pay him, but you got him paying six hundred million dollars to Bryant Rizzo, Baez, and a pitcher in this offseason. Yes. White Sox. Let's go here, team. We've got new uniforms. We've got new pride. We've got history. The Chicago White Sox, Southsiders. I've always kind of been of the mindset that this is who the White Sox are, the quote-unquote Southsiders. But just a reminder, Courtney, Mo, King, King getting phone calls, always busy. That could be LaRusso on line one. You know, the Cubs aren't on WGN anymore. They're on the Marquee Sports Network. Getting to baseball games is not as uh, family-oriented as it was back in the day for the sheer fact that it costs $8 zillion to take a family to a baseball game if you want to sit in anywhere decent seats. I kind of have the mindset that the White Sox could become, quote-unquote, Chicago's team, and now they're just dialing in on Southsiders, which is cool, and the hat looks great, but the angle is interesting to me. Maybe they don't see it that way, but I, I had, I had, that was my first reaction. Who wants to take this, by the way? I'm, I'm not sure who's got the hottest, hottest hand on this, on this angle. King, I know you for one. I, I have an opinion on it, of course. Yeah, I know you do. Um, but being but, a South Sider, I grew up in the, in, in the, in the flourishing town of Joliet. And uh, being a South Sider, it speaks to the entire city. Both the South Side have pride in the South Side. You like that, how that sounds? But it also reaches the entire city in terms of a branding of something that is different than the bougie Cubs. This is the real thing. This is authenticity. This is family. You can still go to the Sox game on a Tuesday or a Sunday and do it economically. 
this is what baseball should be about. And this branding just reiterates what family, what the, what the, the country's favorite pastime should and will continue to be. You know, this I, is- actually, I actually agree with King for once, Mark. I'm cutting you off because I actually agree with King. And this is historic that I actually agree with King. It's also a young look, too. So they're appealing to a young demographic, which, let's be honest, baseball really needs. So it's definitely appealing to that urban look. And I think that's only going to help them. That branding is strong. I mean, that hat is ridiculous. I'd buy that hat in a second. And that's a huge stamp of approval right now from our uh, only person that has any remote level of style on the show. Um, Thank you. No, no, no offense, King, as uh, you're sitting here uh, toothless, <laughs> and um, Mo Mo's wearing the same White Sox hat and White Sox sweatshirt that he wears each podcast, which is beautiful. <laughs> Mo, but Mo, like, never mess with the streak. Never mess with the streak, Carm. Mo, you grew up where? Northbrook, where? Northern suburbs, Morton Grove. Yeah, Morton Grove, right? So, and and you you were a White Sox fan since you were how old? Always right, right out of the womb, not a Southsider. So I don't know. I know a lot of people on the North side who love the White Sox a lot. Highland Park, Illinois, the land of the Cub. There was plenty of Sox fans. Rob Ginsburg weeped when he was 10 years old in 1983. When, uh, What's his name? Was it Jerry Dibzinski uh, in the in the Baltimore series? Who's got that? Who's got that reference in them? I should have that. But uh, regardless, do you have any reaction to this? Like, hold on a second, you're leaving me out. No, I think I think Courtney said it. It, it appeals to the younger audience. It's it's not my favorite style, but I, I understand where they're going with it. I, I think it's it's something different, and uh, you know, it works. Can you can you can somebody explain to me what change the game means? Exactly what we were talking about last time. It does. I'll tell you exactly what it means. It means change the game and how people look at the game and how we play it. The game of baseball has become much less fun than it is on a ball part in a ball field in a in a kid's neighborhood. Bring the Timmy Andersons back to smile. Bring the Eloys with the gold chain and the and the two buttons unbuttoned. Bring the Abreu with the with the, the the goatee and and have these guys smiling and have personality so people can relate to who they are as people and to bring the joy of baseball back into our lives. That's what change the game means. Don't forget bringing the the, the guy out of retirement to appeal to the uh, the senior citizen crowd. Well, that, that, that's a I think we need, obviously, more kids playing the game. And, you know, we drive past, you know, parks in our, in our neighborhoods, in our city, and we have kids playing baseball. We want that. We need that. So I think changing the game with the Tim Andersons, the Eloys, the Yermin Mercedes, that's all crucial. It's all crucial, you know. They need to be playing baseball, not football, not basketball. There needs to be a emphasis on playing baseball because that's how we keep it going. I don't, yeah, the whole need to be, to have baseball is, I, I, I'd like to quibble with you there, Courtney, because I don't know if we quote unquote need it um, because people are always going to play the game. Well, I think what they do need is to make it as accessible in the inner city as possible. You, you want to, there's somehow you got to make it cool to play baseball. I dig the whole thing. I think this is a a big plus for the Sox and, you know, lately they don't get a lot of pluses by with their PR decisions, but this is a good one. Well, it's okay. On that, on that line, not a lot of pluses. See attention to me is a plus who who's being talked about more in this city right now, the Cubs or the white Sox. 
White Sox. By far. By far. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's a first. That is a first. I mean, Cubs are playing pretty good baseball right now. I hate to say it, but they are. That, so that's that's the other part of it. That's that's interesting. The now partly because whatever you trade you Darvish and it's supposedly a rebuilding year, but the Cubs are in first place right now. They're twenty. They're they're a game and a half back of the White Sox record wise, or two games back after they beat Baltimore last night. So it, this is not exactly like some you know twenty and thirty Cubs team. They're in first place, yet the White Sox are very much driving the conversation. So. The concept that they couldn't have the whole city, and I know that's not what they're doing here. Mark, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that's the case? Which part? They're getting more attention. It's because they're having fun, and it's because they have personalities. Did you see the Yerminator's home run last night? 400 feet, and did not necessarily the home run, although it got out of the park. Yeah, on a 3-0 pitch, and it got out quickly, right? And he had practice from the game before swinging at a 3-0 pitch, by the way. So he he got it out quick, got around the bases, he, and he has personality. You know, he thanked the good Lord. He's he, appreciative to be there, has fun, goes back in the dugout, gets his butt slapped a couple times, and that's what baseball should be about. They're more fun, Mark. You're a tight ass like everybody on the north side. Come to the south side, have a little more fun. Your life will be better. Here come here comes the tight ass accusations. I I I I find that to be extremely offensive on the Windy City White Sox podcast that I've just been labeled a tight ass by the king. But thank you. Was it fun yesterday on the north side? You 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 live in your own world over there. Would Javi buy his backpedal down the first baseline and and somehow. That was fun. You can't have but more it, fun than that. Don't say they're not having fun over there. No, the <laughs> only uh, the only better thing that that would have been is if that was on the south side. Because well, but, they it, have but, no it, but but I don't want to. But it wasn't. Home. I agree with you. It but, wasn't. Thank but you. I'm, I'm it was an anomaly. It was an anomaly. It's an anomaly. There's a seven zillion hobby bias plays I could deal up with you as far as quote unquote fun. I what I couldn't deal up for you and Cordy jump in here, but I could not deal up with you is uh, one hitting a fifteen up uh, fifteen four hitting a. a 450 foot homer and the uh, manager not being happy with his player. I, that hasn't happened on the north side. I haven't seen that uh, one. Let me that ask one's you not fun. Let me ask you the question: Who's more fun, Bias or Timmy Anderson? Who's more fun? It, it depends. It depends on the field. Pure. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're both fun. I love Tim. I don't want to go. They're they're they're, they're those are two, top two fun guys. Mm-hmm. But Javi's Javi's super fun, man. Listen, I love baseball. Who's better Give for baseball? I mean, that's that's a weird question. I, I I suppose because there are the game was what seven percent African American right now. Uh, maybe Tim has a more a prominent spot in the game because he's the. Listen, when I would go up to him last couple of years, how do you feel about being the only black guy on the White Sox? His, you know, what his response was, "I love it, I love it." He he, and I think the love was that he that there's that he's there to represent it. Obviously, he'd like to have more african-american teammates i think that's logical to say but hey if 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 this is what it's going to be i'm i love being the guy that's going to carry the mantle and and be proud about it which i started to feel emotional right now it makes me love makes me love tim but okay go ahead because i i do think and i'm not just saying this i could see that the cubs were very like the team in 2016 um when they won the world series i don't like talking about it but i mean i i can see that they are they were a likable team at that point <laughs> however and i'm not just saying this because i am a Sox fan they are not a likable team. They're not. 
They are unlikable. All their weird, you know, vaccine stuff that you're hearing that they can't get to 85%, you know, not to get weird and political on here. We don't need to do that. But no, do it. I think it's a great call. But it's, it's, it's absolutely, it, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, embarrassing. it's embarrassing. It's a problem. You know, they're all speaking out against it. I mean, why do that? You know, it just, it puts bad heat on you. You don't need it. I think they're an unlikable team. All those random guys in the bullpen. I can't name two bullpen arms for the Cubs. I can't. No. You, you, I can't. You, you had it at the 85% vaccine. The fact that you can't name Dan Winkler's name doesn't make them un- unlikable. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a good point until the, until the bull. I can't name their, bull, their bullpen. So let's go back in time when, when White Sox and Cubs traded bullpen arms like, like the great Matt Karchner. But, okay, l- l- speaking of the fun thing, uh, as a, you know, my first job in baseball, 1992, I was welcomed into the sports service organization as a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, whatever the hell I was, vendor. And uh, you know, I used to I used to love walking walking the outfield concourse with the with the with the cotton candy because it was a dollar and I didn't have to carry carry change. I didn't realize that I wasn't going to get tips. And uh, and I would sell upper deck dove bars for three bucks uh, when I couldn't get the cotton candy. And I and I. I wasn't, by the way, first year in baseball, all South Side, baby. There was no, I couldn't get hired at Wrigley, but I was, I was all South Side. And now, so you meet the people at the ballpark is where I'm going with this. Loretta, who I never met, and her lounge, who was working for 60 years, all of a sudden, people want to just forget about Loretta and make it LaRusa's lounge. That's, that's, that's changing the game to the 76-year-old from the 90-year-old who worked there for 60 years. What's up, White Sox? Did you not think that anybody was going to notice? Anybody got a reaction to Loretta and La Russa? Because that's, that's, that shit is wrong. It's beyond wrong. I mean, and again, it just makes you scratch your head with some of the decisions they make on a PR standpoint. I mean, first of all, putting the name La Russa and Lounge together, optics aren't great there right away. Um, and, you know, it's, it just, it's, it's just very classless on their part, the way they handled it. Even yesterday, their, you know, the announcement they came out with their explanation for it was handled very poorly. And it's like they're just trying to cram La Russa down fans' throats, and it's just not working. And, and people are offended by it, and they should be. So it was handled, again, very, very poorly. I don't like when things are handled poorly. And the White Sox should, should treat a 60-year employee who's no longer with us a lot better than what they did. Hey, Tony, how would you like to have your own lounge? We're going to screw over Loretta, whoever the hell she is. We're making it La Russa's lounge. King, you should know about this. You know what? Here's how I look at it. In <laughs> life, sometimes we make some mistakes. Oh, right? okay. wow. An acknowledgement of a mistake is a win here. And, and yes, yes. All right. Okay, good. And as long as we learn from those mistakes and move forward, I think we're better we're, we're, we're better human beings. Well, let's let, let us, I think that's a great point, right? Everybody makes mistakes and we got to make this right. So what should the White Sox do, Mo, for all the Loretta's out there who felt attached to Loretta's lounge, who are diehard Sox fans, who maybe didn't work at the ballpark for 60 years, but we're, you know, they, we always talk about the Karens out there. I think today we're all Loretta's. That's what I'm feeling. I'm a Loretta. King, you're a Loretta. Courtney's a Loretta. Mo, you're a Loretta. What do you think? I think they should try to make it right. It obviously struck a, a, a nerve with the fans. Um, I think it's probably worsened by the fact that it was changed from Loretta to Larusa, and Larusa seems like he's kryptonite right now. Anything, anything with his name or anything around him, everyone has a negative reaction. Um, I didn't know Loretta. Um, you, you obviously worked that type of job, so have, it probably has a deeper meaning to you. Um, but yeah, I mean they handled it poorly, and, and to King's point, hopefully they learned from it and. 
figure out a way to, to try to make it right. Well, I, I do look at though, I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, it used to be Comiskey Park. It's changed names several times. It seems like, you know, nothing is sacred anymore. I, I, this obviously isn't a, a money play, whereas changing from Comiskey Park was. But, um, you know, names are no longer sacred. Things change. Uh, but I do think the Sox dropped the ball on this one. Hear me out. Hear me out quickly, though. To make this better, Courtney's Corner. Who says no? <laughs> Who says no? Kenny, I know you're down for that. Courtney's Corner. Uh, well, the reason I'm down for that, because I think it would – it would meet a lot of the White Sox needs in terms of starting alcohol about 10 a.m. and going to about wow. 2 a.m. So I think, I think that would be one of the best lounges in baseball. Courtney's Cabaret Corner at Loretta's Lounge. Courtney, there we go. At who Loretta's, says no? Who says – there we go. Who it says looks, no? Right. They're not going to sell any less tickets and people like to get angry about things. So they're jumping on the Loretta and La Russa and it's, it's not the end of the world. But but this is like I think what resonates with people is this is the little man, Loretta, who gets gets smoked by big time, big time guy, La Russa. And we all know that Mark, it, the, Mark, let Mark, let's face it. La Russa had nothing to do with this. I, of I, course. Of I, course. Of course. So, like, you know, I don't again, it, it, Tony's anything with Tony attached to it right now is a negative. Um it, it's unfortunate that that this is yet another thing where, you know, it, it brings out the, you know, sort of the vitriol of, of Sox fans who have been unhappy with the hire from day one. But Tony had nothing to do with it. This is Sox management, you know, making a bad decision. Let's talk about the actual on-field product right now. Uh, your guy, Dylan Cease, is rolling, uh, borderline dominating. Anybody want to? you. I told you. Yeah. Well. Well. What are you seeing, Courtney? What are you? What are you? What? Where? What? What has it been about Dylan's recent month of work? Maybe. Maybe even more now, of just solid. We all knew this guy had talent, but something is, I guess, clicking on another level. You know, he's he's obviously keeping the walks down, which has been a huge, you know, issue for him in years past. He is attacking hitters more, which I'm seeing. He's more fired up on the mound. I mean, I've seen more reactions from him these past few outings than I ever have, which is huge for him. Um, he's keeping, he's keeping the walks down. He's keeping the pitches down. He's staying out of that ugly one inning that he used to have. It's, it's been really positive for him. It's, it's huge results. It's what we need to see. We know he's got the stuff. He's finally, finally putting it together. So it's, it's been nothing but good things on, on my end when it comes to that. Mo, anything you want to, you want to uh, highlight on the field right now? No, I think Cease has been great. Rodon continues to impress. Uh, you know, some of the hitters have had some ups and downs. Um, you know, I, I still look at Moncada and Grandal, especially, have to have to do better. They're both getting on base a lot with walks. But, you know, with with all the injuries, we, we need those guys to hit the ball. And, and so far, they're not doing it, for my, for my tastes, uh, enough. King, King, tell me, though. Tell me I'm wrong. Make make me see the positive in those guys. Help me out. You know what? I I, I I wanted to. I think the concern is is valid, but I think this team is exactly where it needs to be. I, I, I it's being stressed in in many ways, and even at the managerial level, and I think they're responding well. Now, is uh, is it perfect? No. It's not perfect, but I do think it's responding well. Look at Vaughn. I think the Yerminator will continue to hit. He won't hit at 400, but if he hits at 300, we're in good shape. 
And I think we're going to, and when those injuries, when those boys come back from injuries, I think we're going to be in, 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 I think that's when I think it's going to be an interesting problem to, to dissect, you know, when we have the Eloys and we have the robot, uh, the Roberts, I, I think that's going to be interesting. Then I think now we're just tilling the soil to be in a really interesting and exciting uh, uh, place in October. I'm going to say this again. This is the second time I've agreed with King. This is this is historic. This is a historic day. King, you set up perfectly, my man. You did. I agree. It's our first ever tilling the soil on the DeWindy City White Sox <laughs> podcast, which I feel is uh, historic and um, should be underlined like I just did. The Mankata stuff, you, you know that he's like far and away leading the White Sox in war, which is the all-encompassing baseball stat that all the seam heads love. I mean, it's not even close what this guy's been putting out there day in and day out. It is interesting to me, by the way, if you're just looking at war, that the two players that are in second place tied are Tim Anderson and your mean Mercedes. Anybody who had that in their White Sox preseason prediction plan that your mean and Tim would be tied up here on May the 28th as we record this, you should uh, – be someone's stockbroker or whatever that that's the, no one no one saw that coming but your mean is the story of I mean certainly the story of the White Sox season but also you know baseball here's a guy you know an older guy who, who gets a chance because of injuries and, and he's just he's delivered you, you know even you know we had some ex text exchanges he a little bit of a I wouldn't even say a slump he just wasn't doing as well and then he breaks out in a big way yesterday I mean it, it's a great story and Hopefully he can continue to do it. But, but my, my, my wisdom to you would be to insert a little more fun in your life and not sweat the <laughs> small stuff. Come down to the south side, you know, and, and, and have some, and, and see some good baseball and some good uh, managing. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and just enjoy that. And, and, and if you go to Courtney's corner and that comes together, and enjoy that also uh, okay got we got we, i got it more more fun in my life come enjoy the south side courtney you've been the one that's gone to the most games by far of anybody on here can you give a first-hand account of what it's like been like at the ballpark you know it feels good it's it's been really a positive experience when i went and it was around eight thousand fans the first time the social distancing was handled very well i thought it's just good to be back in the ballpark i mean honestly it's the energy is back. It's there. The smells of the ballpark, the beer, not even at Courtney's corner, just the beer in general is fabulous. Again, something about having a beer at the park that's, you know, unmatched. It's just, just been a good experience to have fans again and hear that energy. And this is a fun team to go out and support. So let's get the fans out there. You know, we're now at 24,000. I, I believe we can have, let's, let's start selling these games out. Let's start supporting the boys. They deserve it. And there is uh, just a little bit of a, we had some beautiful weather here. We had yep. the Cardinals in town. We got first base club. We got all these stories. You got 24,000 available, 14 K show up, 16 K show up. Come on Southsiders. Let's go white Sox. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's time to uh, enjoy your baseball team. No time like the present. Where is everybody King? Where have you been? Mark, I was there last night. Were you really? In the rain, in the rain delayed game. No, yes, you you went last night. I did. So don't you ever ever <laughs> question my loyalty again. This podcast Get him, King. Get or him. outside this podcast. I, I, hey, okay? well, we're, we're, I saw your main's home run. Okay, I, 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 I was there. I felt it. I saw. I smelled the fireworks. <laughs> okay, I encourage you to practice what you preach and be out there and support this ball club. 
A, I'm impressed. B, you're right. C, where are your friends? I don't want you to be lonely out there, King. That's all I'm saying. I want, I want. Mark, you're invited to join me anytime at the ballpark. <laughs> okay. Anytime. Okay. You tell me when you want to go and I will be there with you. Okay. The, the, att- the attendance is always a hot issue with Sox fans. It's always a hot button. It's, it sucks. I agree. They, the weather was beautiful last weekend. Get your asses down. You know, it's now 24,000. Let's start selling these games out. It's, it's a little embarrassing. It's a hot button, but this team deserves all the fan support. It's, it's time. I fully agree. Here's my here's my one suggestion that the White Sox could could do uh, as far as and it probably wouldn't have an impact, but maybe it would. I, I like the vaccine three dollar parking lot where if you can show your your credentials, you you get in for three bucks. Tailgates galore. Let's go. That's what's going on here. Come on out to the ballpark. We love you. We're the Chicago. White Sox, South Side, whatever you want to call it. Any, anybody got a problem with that? I, I think you win in the end. Fully agreed. Fully agreed. Mo, has anybody ever come up with a better idea than that in the history of podcasting slash baseball? Carmen. Never. I mean, Never. Courtney's Corner was sweet, but I got $3 parking, vaccine <laughs> lot, tailgates return, coolest place to be in town. Let's go. As we're running out of time around the Zoom, I I, I, think, I I think Carmen, if you're if you're out there signing autographs, I think I think that it's going to be an overflow parking situation, but for sure. I mean, I've got the Windy City stickers that I could hand out. There you go. I mean, our our first remote is in the works here. I've been talking to different people. You know, how do we get some of that the Windy City swag for for Courtney King and I? I haven't seen any. Uh, okay, okay, uh, we well, can well, we I can. I think it's a novel idea. I have a better idea. Uh, okay. Got it at third. Anderson at short. Magical second and Abreu at first, with a DH of the Yerminator and a and, and a manager named Tony Larusa. I think that's a better promotional. And and, and magical batting second, by the way, magical batting second. Let's make that a thing, please. Yeah. So so please, Mark. I, I don't think we we need gimmicks. We have what we need on the field. It's it's not a gimmick. It's 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 called it's called increased value. It's called imp- appreciation. There's no gimmick when you say you can park for three bucks. That's not uh, come out out and, and see the three foot guy walk to first base. That's come on out because it's more affordable and we love you. The right Sox are already more affordable, Mark. You wouldn't know that because you're in the bougie north side and a Cubs fan. But if you come down to the south side, the the, the, the the prices are very reasonable as it relates to a family and family fun. So come on, come hey, back. Come, I have come, so just, 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 just for, for, first of, first of all, no one has been on the south side the last three years more than this guy right here, pal. I, I, I lived at that ballpark. Second of all, uh, my one niece, the great Grace Carmen, you, you know, she's, she's been to both parks, but she has been to guaranteed rate field more. She loves the, whatever they call it in the, in, in, in left field back in the day, she, she would beat that cardboard cutout thing in the sprint all day long. She was fielding ground balls. She was loving her white Sox experience, seeing her fundamentals, Mark fundamentals, fundamentals, right? Fundamentals. It's, you know, it's, it's early in the morning as we're recording here. It's not really early at all, but it's, it's Friday there. There's an, there's an excuse for me for getting fundamentals. All right. Anything else we want to get out here, Courtney? You want to give Andrew Vaughn some love? You've been. Uh... I always want to. I always want to give Andrew Vaughn love. Uh, I saw him during spring training. I absolutely adore that swing. Arguably one of the prettiest swings in all of baseball. The kid is going to be a star. A star. Mo, are you seeing star? Are you willing to go that far? I, I've invested in this baseball card, so you know he, there's star there. I'm. I'm. Hopefully, I don't. Uh, you know, doom him to failure. 
You invested in his baseball card? What does that mean? That's right. I, I think he's going to be fantastic. Did you buy – did you seriously go online and look for a Vaughn card and purchase it, or did you, like, go to – you did? What would you pay for the Vaughn card? I, I bought several of them at different prices. But but he's uh, – if Courtney says it's going to be, it's going to be. I, I have full faith in her, her opinion on that one. Look at Mo <laughs> sitting back in his Mo room making investments in Andrew Vaughn. This, was, this should have been the lead of the podcast. <laughs> and, and, and this is a, a – I named my dog after Gordon Beckham, so I may not be the best judge of, um, of greatness, but – you know. Do you have any NFTs of, of, of Andrew Vaughn too? Like a, the, the first ever picture? No, you don't have that. Okay. Right. What do you have behind you, by the way? This is an audio podcast, so it's not going to work, but I've got, you, you've got a zillion baseball cards. You got a home plate. You've got, I, th- I, I, I think got, I'm I got my, my socks, baseball cards, you know, I got balls for parks. We visited with the kids. We've got, you know, world series stuff. We got a bit of everything. If I had the windy city swag, I'd have it hanging up too, but I, I don't, I'm not the star of the show, so I don't get any of that good stuff. I, I like to, I, I fall in love with Mo a little more every podcast. I just want to. Likewise. Say. Is there any way that we are overreacting when we say words like la flop, you're disgracing the game of basketball? Is there any way that we're overreacting to Chris Paul throwing a little hip and all of a sudden the shoulder or he gets poked in the eye? Still not sure if he even did get poked in the eye and his career is over and then he's fine. Is it just because we're Bulls fans and we're Jordan fans and, and it's and it's completely unfair? Is, does anybody want to take a shot? Beto, you look very interested in this. I spend a lot of time thinking about this. And I'm, <laughs> am I too biased? Maybe, but it doesn't change the fact that you're not wrong about any of that. Like some people say, oh, he's like, you can't do like, regardless of what he does, it's wrong. People don't like him. I actually disagree. I think that he's got... It is so easy for him to be so likable. All he has to do is just not pull that crap. Like his shot was unbelievable. Like why we should be talking about that, but he has to make it about him. He makes some Rocky four reference about hitting the thing in the middle, which is total BS, total BS. He got poked in the eye and the dude acts like he literally was decapitated and he does this every single game. There'll be like a month span where I'm like, man, maybe I'm just too hard on LeBron. Then he does something like that. And I'm like, this is exactly why. And I hate going, well, Mike never did that or Kobe never did that. But the bottom line is it's true. Oh, I'm with both you guys. There is no overreaction. Disgraceful might be a little bit strong, but definitely <laughs> no, over, no overreaction. You know, no overreaction. He does hurt his legacy with those things. There's no doubt. He hurts his legacy with those things. Acting like, I can't see. I can't see. I mean, that was just, give me a break. And then Chris Paul, 
he made it look like Chris Paul was Andre the Giant body slamming him. I mean, it was ridiculous. We're recording ahead of game two for the record, and so right now the Suns are up one game to none. Uh, I think the Lakers are winning the series in five or it, no – or six or seven, they're winning the series. Beto, you're, you're shaking your head. Yes, right. I totally agree. I I can't, <laughs> I, I can't do it because I do not physically want to root for them. But it's even money to bet the Lakers to win the series right now. And I would load up like we're moving to a new house in a month. I'd bet that mortgage and my current one on that if I if I really wanted to. But I just. I mean, the, the, not just LeBron, but his team sort of have a history of not playing well in game one and then just stampeding through the rest of the series. They're not fully, they, they hadn't played together in a while. I, I don't know if they're going to win. I hope I'm wrong, but I'll be very surprised if they don't win this. Series. Anthony Davis was terrible. LeBron terrible. was not full. He was LeBron. still, his, his vision was still impaired, right, you know, right, from the Warriors. Right, right, right. <laughs> Are you purposely losing game one to get people against you so then you can just do hero LeBron? Is that going on? I don't think that's going on. Coach, you want to you make a case for the Suns? You'll go deep into a Suns roster and give me you a know, breakdown. You know, you, you wanted my uh, prediction the, the last time. And, and obviously, look, the odds are it's Lakers versus Nets. But I'm going to predict Suns versus Bucks. All right? So I, I thought both teams – the Suns and the Bucks, if they get out of their first round, would have a great chance to, to meet in the finals. So I think the Suns, I think the longer it goes, if the Suns do not beat the Lakers, the Lakers are not losing. This is the only series, this is the only series I think that will be competitive for the Lakers as far as where you worry, will they potentially lose? I, I don't think this is going to go five. I think the Suns are for real. I think they really are for real. And I think the Lakers still are trying to find themselves. When you look at the Warriors game, the Lakers struggled in that game. And then when you see the Memphis Grizzlies, how well they're doing, you know, I don't think there's a big difference between the Lakers and the other teams right now. But as this thing goes, yes, there will be a big difference between them. You don't just think that Phoenix is the best team in the West. You think it's because they're getting the Lakers now. Am I hearing that right? They played the Lakers in three weeks. As, as long as the Lakers don't have a catastrophic injury to LeBron or, or Anthony Davis, I think the Lakers would win. But I think right now the Lakers are beatable in the first round. So that's why I have the Suns going from there. I mean, it's so gross that I have to sit there and do this and, and not have a perspective in life that it doesn't matter what LeBron does, doesn't take anything away from Mike. Everything is sealed, and and and, and that's just the way it is. But I, I'm going to live every single playoff run for the rest of LeBron time rooting against him, which, by the way, I did the same damn thing with Kobe, and it pisses me off now because I could have enjoyed Kobe so much more. Man, I'm, I don't want to call you out. Finish your thought, but you're literally like in my head right now. This was this was me too. <laughs> I mean, right? Like you, Kobe yeah. was. Kobe should have like by for Jordan fans, we should have appreciated be Kobe Correct. because he just wanted to be Mike, and he and he was he was Mike Junior. He was. No one's ever gonna come close to being to playing exactly like him, like Kobe was able to do. Dude, I was sitting in my, so my college roommate, I actually played high school basketball with two biggest Jordan fans, like forever. 
he was all in on Kobe. I was not all in on Kobe. Retroactively speaking, I was obviously wrong because I look at Kobe LeBron and I'm like Kobe in a second, right? Like as far as not, I'm not saying who's better, but as far as like who is more enjoyable for, for me, but he would have all these like Kobe posters up next to the Jordan ones. I would be like, dude, like take this crap off. And he would just say like, didn't you practice trying to be Michael Jordan as a kid in your driveway? And he goes, yeah. He's like, so why do you have a problem with the best player on the planet trying to emulate Michael Jordan? And I'm like, that's actually a fantastic point. So he literally wanted to be the guy that we idolized. So we, I can't blame him for that, even though I did at the time. And there's, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen that one video that where it, it basically shows <laughs> three quarters of Jordan's moves that Kobe yes. had down to a T he studied him to that level, the exact move. And he was able to do it. Coach. A, and Mike like, loves him too. And Mike I'm getting the feeling that Mike doesn't love LeBron. And this is pure speculation. This is what I want to believe, but I feel like he's way more invested in Kobe LeBron. He's like, whatever, dude. Well, well when LeBron does his like Instagram posts, like, you know, shows himself the cryptic. Yeah, stand, standing at center court, like, go get him, young king. I'm like, do you have a, it's like a drop of humility? Like, do, do, I mean, Jesus, do, do you really have to sit there and pray? But I think maybe the criticism gets to him and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and, and, and talk my shit or whatever. I don't know. Coach, I'm trying to get a read on you. This is we're doing that. We're recording on zoom today and he's yeah, got this, got to look at it. So I'm not sure which read. way you're going. I don't, I don't want to give you the read, but I think that, I have two, I would tell you, I think this is where the two players are flip-flop, Kobe and LeBron, and they are for me. So I can't take the coach out of me. You know, I can't take it out. The coach is in me. I go to a, a Bulls game, and while I, I do cheer for the Bulls, there's the coach in me as I'm watching the game. You know, and if a good friend was a coach against them, if Ed Pickney gets the job with the Knicks and they're playing as the Bulls, I may cheer for the Knicks. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a different feeling being a coach than as a fan. As a fan, how could you not like Kobe more than LeBron James in general as a fan? Like, you know, we didn't like Kobe. I don't think as much for the emulating Jordan. It was a 19-year-old who was so arrogant. He was so arrogant. Remember, he came right out of high school. So it was the arrogance of Kobe that turned people off early in his, in his career. And then he never, he, he played to not have friends. I mean, he played to not be friends with everybody, which now we totally appreciate, right? With the way the game is today, LeBron, you can't stand him as a fan, as a fan. It's like, I'm watching that game and he's, he's flopping and he does the eye thing and just all the stuff that goes on, like with what you said, but as a coach, where when LeBron doesn't do that, you can't do anything but appreciate how great of a player he is. The, the most amazing moments that I've, or the most I've appreciated LeBron more than anything else is getting to, you know, whatever interview him, I don't know, 10 times, whatever it's been, but he has his recall of one single play in a game is just insane. This dude was over there. That guy was over there. I knew that he was going to try to rip the ball this way because that's how he does that. So I, so I had to, I'm like, how do you remember that one play in a thousand play game, you know, 10 minutes afterwards. And you have just a, like a picture in your mind. The dude's a basketball savant. Um, I want to take a major yeah. left turn. Go. Yeah. Do you want to follow up on that? Anybody? I, no, I was just going to say, you're right. I mean, that's, that's what goes back to my point of like, that's why I think it should be easy for him to be so likable because the skill set is he's the most, talented basketball player ever 
I think we can all agree to that, right? And he's also one of the most intelligent. So like you have those, it's like, how do you like be, I, I don't know. I just, it just frustrates me because that's why I think he should be so likable, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Can, when I, add, can I add one thing on this before you left her? I say, because you know, people talk about greatness of all time. And really there's only three players I think you could ever talk about as the greatest of all time that you could even make an argument for. Obviously Michael, we're going to say is, and the only two players I think you can make an argument for are Kareem and LeBron. And Garrett wow. Temple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coach's wow. guy. We can I thought you were going Michael, game. LeBron, GT. But you can make an argument that Kobe's better than LeBron. You can make an argument that Magic's better than LeBron. I don't, I don't think you can't make an argument for other players being better, but I don't think you can make an argument for any of those players being better than Jordan or Kareem if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I, right. I I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but I, do, I don't want to give that LeBron's the most talented. I just will like, I'm who's I'm more like, talented. Mike, yeah. just Mike faster, <laughs> better handle. But do you think he, that was naturally gifted though? The way LeBron is I mean, naturally I, I, gifted. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying Michael was like this grinding, like Steve Kerr type of guy that made the most of his abilities. Like, I'm just saying, I don't know. I feel I'm, like he was the, the savior. I mean, he's the most, it's like he's a specimen. He's like a clone from Star Wars. They like put him together to be like the best version of a basketball player that you could have. Well, he big, bigger, bigger, stronger. I mean, listen, I I mean, I remember Derek, you know, shaking his head after one game, like, hey, like, hey man, when they're that big and that fast, yeah. you, know, you know, it's like, right. Right. I, I, I get it. Like you don't want that dude guarding you at the end of the game when you're there. Cause you know, it's, it's a problem left turn, not the most talented player of all time, but yet going to the hall of fame, Tony Kukoc is a hall of famer. Tony love you. You know, 1.8 shot. That was a great moment in time, even though I actually secretly hated it because I was already thinking about Jordan's legacy at that point, And I really wanted them to lose that series. Don't tell anybody that I said that, but I was, I literally was already forwarding ahead to Jordan's legacy and did not want the bulls to, to come anywhere close to winning a championship. So that year I, I didn't enjoy him at all, but he made no all-star teams in his career. Zero. It's not about, it's not, a, it's the what pro basketball hall of fame. Yeah. It's not about – I'm not saying that he, oh, my gosh, he's a slam dunk Hall of Famer, but you can't, you can't talk about his NBA career as the reason why he got in. It was because he was the best player in a, a continent for several years, and that's why he got in. I'm not saying that's why he, sh- he should have or shouldn't, but I'm just saying that's why. Isn't Vladi Divas in? I'd have to double. Let's let's do a double check on Vladdy. But if if if, if Vladdy Same with Chris is, Chris Webber, I was I had more problems with Chris Webber getting in. He's a better NBA player than Kukoc, but Kukoc was the best player in Europe. Webber was like the Hall of Very Good, like never made a first team All NBA. And everyone's like, well, it's you know it's basketball Hall of Fame, like they count as college year. I'm like, wasn't he there for one year? He wore long shirt shorts and they lost in the in the finals. Like, you're to beat up. Webber's a Hall of Famer. What? Whoever's, whoever's a Hall of Famer. That's fair. I mean, I'm open to being wrong on this, but like, you can fight what, back. What's the like? I'm curious, like, what he did that was that great? What was he great at? Well, he was a great player. I mean, he was one of the top ten players for a long, for a good period of time. And the Lakers. I mean, they took the Lakers consistently 
in that era. They were they were the other team, and he was their best player at Michigan. He was the best player on the Fab the Fab Five. They played two years actually. Yeah, they went to two national championship games. You know, like you said, um, I'm not a Hall of Fame buff kind of guy like where I know yeah, everything about it, but I agree with with Brian that Kukos got in it because not not necessarily just because of his Bulls experience, but he was the best. It's international competition. They, they take all of that into account. That's why there's some people that get in that you're like, How, what, who's that? Like, um, so they take more things. In, and there was someone that got in this year. If you read off who got in this year, there was someone who got in this year, though. I was like, surprised he got in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Was. There was I'm trying to think of that, too. Arvidas Sabonis is in, by the way. So that's another example of someone that was – was a good player in the NBA, right? But his best years were way before that, before to, he got to the Blazers. Okay. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm being slightly unfair, but if you're going to, at least my criteria, the Mark Carmen Hall of Fame criteria that nobody is going to ask for, he came, when he got to the NBA, he was 25 years old. I mean, it ain't like he came here when he was 32. The dude had a long career. One, he played till he was 37, uh, and, and it was a good career. I mean, it's his first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. His first 10 seasons, he averaged double figures. I mean, it was a good career. His, his highest was 18-8 in 97-98, in which I, it, by the end of that season, he was the second-best player on the team. Pippen was dead. But, I, but like, a Hall of Famer? So, so here's my I mean, here's my on, first question. Here's my first question to you, Mark. Did yeah. you have like a bad experience with him? At no, no. I I like I I I, I I like Tony. Going Jordan and Co. He's going Jordan. You see Tony Kukoc in the '92 Olympics. If he Tony went, Kukoc. if he if you played Tony Kukoc at the Y, you're picking him up full court like Pippen and Jordan did in '92. That's how. That's much of like an a vendetta you have against the Tony Kukoc. I, I mean, if I I'll tell you this much: if I was guarding Tony Kukoc at 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 the multiplex and or the Birdo Center, I would just force him right. Where are you going? You can't. You. I mean, <laughs> I mean. And you know what he would do? He put one hand on your head while he makes the shot. Like, exactly. Pat you on the head as he's six eleven shooting over you. But I, um, but to, I mean, think of it like this: Tony Kukoc was Luka Doncic at like oh, eighteen years God. old in Europe. So from yeah. 18 to 25, he would have dominated Europe the way – imagine if Luka Doncic – and also remember, anybody will tell you it's not like Michael Jordan passed the ball to Kukos that much for his numbers to be as high as you want him to be. Yeah, but okay. He, but he left in, in – in 99, Kukos was 31. I mean, what, they win four games that year? I Listen, I, I don't <laughs> – I mean <laughs> – I mean, sure, Mike had some level of negative impact on him. But by the way, his first year, 93-94, Jordan wasn't around, and he averaged 11. Now he had some huge shots that year. And then his second year, Jordan came back for, what, the final 17 games. He was a 16-point scorer. There's no, there's no argument anywhere close to an argument that Kukoc's NBA career is, is anywhere close to Hall well, of he, Fame work. Right. He, he averaged the 19 points, drinking a bottle of wine, smoking 10 cigarettes a day, and you know, probably hooking up with two different women a day. So I mean, I, I think I think that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, look, Tony, <laughs> all time in my book. Paul, Steve Kerr said some really he nice things. One while he averaged at eighteen and eight. <laughs> what what did, what did what did Kerr say about Ku Coach? He, he so a couple things. I, I can't remember the exact quote, but do you remember when the Last Dance came out when 
the, the, the advertisement on ESPN was Jordan, Pippen, oh, Phil, and uh, Rodman, obviously, and then Kerr. Yeah. And Kerr was like, there's no reason. I, I'm, he's like, I'm only on here because I'm the coach of the, the Warriors. Tony Kukoc absolutely should have been the other guy highlighted and just been huge in his praise about how Kukoc handled it. And then when he got elected, I can't remember what he said the other day, but it was something just very, very much of an endorsement for, for Kukoc. And I just tend to believe everything Steve Kerr says. So. I'm thrilled for Tony. Just an incredible talent. He was a perfect fit on those championship teams to Coppola and Michael and Scotty. We had a really good group of veteran role players with that team, but we lacked the talent off the bench to be really explosive. We were a team that executed well, but what Tony gave us was that guy to play through when Michael and Scotty were off the floor. Exactly my point. When in the hell were Michael and Scotty both off the floor? When when Mike when Mike went out, when Scotty was, <laughs> for the thir- <laughs> for the thirty seconds when Phil sat both of them, we could play through Tony. I mean, come on, we are stretching to find a compliment here. He in his last look at his like numbers though. I mean, they're pretty good. Like even in the Olympics, like he took, he went to what they went to two gold medal games, right? They lost in 92. They lost in 96. He averaged 16, seven and seven in 96 for Croatia. Right. So it's just more of a, I mean, yeah, if you isolate it in a bucket, his NBA career, of course he's not a Hall of Famer, but I think it's just adding the other layers to why to why he got in. Mike is why he got in this late, you know, because you're right. He hasn't played for a long time, so people didn't see him as a Hall of Famer for a long time. So probably what has helped him is the influence of how good some of these European players are, and he was the initial, with Sabonis, was kind of the initial – European player that influenced this uh, generation of great international players. And so I think he, he's, he's definitely, and you also look at him now, if he played in today's era game, right, he would be the kind of player that everybody, yep. I mean, he would be the kind of player in, you know, so I think that's a big part of it. Kukoc averaged 11.6 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists in 13 NBA seasons. All right, but he did win those three EuroLeague titles, a FIBA World Championship MVP, and a World Cup gold medal. Hey, Tony, congratulations. Honestly. Three I- NBA rings, too. Yeah. Three, three, more, than, three more than Chris Webber. Carmen, you're not going to be. Dickie Simpkins has got three, too. Should we we'd split him in the hall as well? You're, 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 you're not going to be able to go to Michael's. In Highland Park ever again if you just keep with this Tony Kuko take, man. They're not going to let you back there. Uh, is that because Tony's there or is because Tony's Michael? There. Tony's, oh, Tony's I, there. Okay. I've, I've He's still Tony there, right? Least. I only go to Michael's like five times a year and like at least two of those times. <laughs> You're at a 40% conversion rate at Tony Kukoc at Michael's. Uh, I love it. By the way, what, what, are your, what are your Bulls offseason one thing that you're really hoping for? Anything jump to mind? Coach, you first. Oh, I, I thought you were going to have to get to go first, so I was going to allow you. I was giving you the floor, <laughs> man. Uh, I yeah. mean, my, my my biggest wish, obviously, quickly, you know, probably would be that Patrick Williams turns into the stud that Brian Beto thinks that he could become. That, that would be number one. And number two, number two wish would be that they – they find a player that maybe we're all surprised that they can get. So is CJ McCollum if, with this Anthony Simons being 
uh, the kid at Portland kind of stepping up? Does a CJ McCollum now become available? Do the Bulls find a way to, to get a player like that? I'm just saying, is there a surprise player that they could add to this team to win? And then the third is, you know, there was a big article on Garrett Temple, man. <laughs> How do you get to CJ McCollum? You know, I read something or I heard something about a player like CJ McCollum being available and that who, there are who, players that you'd be surprised that could end up being available because certain teams recognize it. Right. But so make it, make a deal right now. How do you get him? Cause I, I feel like if you're getting him, you're giving up Zach. Would you do that? No, no. no right. I, I don't think you're giving up Zach. Um, so who are you giving up? Kobe White and and uh, I mean, who the hell would they want? You to get McCollum, I would think you'd have to give up Patrick Williams, right? No question. They could, they could, they could, they could actually, let's say, Larry Markkinen. So they you get the oh sign God. and trade with Larry Markkinen, and maybe you know another veteran, maybe like even a Thaddeus Young, where they trade to improve their front court because they have they want to improve their front court. Are you Something drinking? Like are you are you drinking right now, Lowry Markkinen? And Thaddeus Young for CJ. Yeah, but we McCall. don't we don't know McCall. I can't remember his contract situation. Right. You know, that always comes into play. Right. So. And the Bulls may have to take back something that Portland wants to yeah. get rid of. They could see themselves building off of that. CJ's a good player, man. I'd kill to have that good guy player. in our team. He's he's got he's got four more three more years at roughly thirty two million a year. That's a lot of money. And right. if the Blazers want to invest in the front court, I'm not saying, you know, that's definitely going to happen. I don't think it's like implausible that you're not giving up Zach or Patrick Williams for, for McCollum. So okay. I, I don't think they would do that. Cause I think they want to build with, with, yeah. with those guys, but I get Thaddeus Young is making about 14 million. Larry Markin is signing trade. You improve your front court. You have a young player to build with, with Lori that Lowry that they feel fits great with a Damian Lillard spreads the floor for those guys. And they feel that Simon's, can fill into McCollum's spot at a much cheaper rate with Powell. They got Powell there as well. He yeah. becomes expendable. So, and now the Bulls have to pay $32 million, which McCollum's good, but he's really not a $32 million player. But right. the Bulls could look at, hey, with Levine, McCollum, and Vucevic, hey, we're going to take our shots with that. Oh, I, I Coach, you're, you're, you just got me excited. The salary brings it into play because may, maybe Portland wants to get creative here and they're realizing they're overpaying. That's, that's super interesting. Vito, you got anything? Got to get a point guard. I, I mean, you look at, we talked about the Suns earlier, and not to say that we're going to get a Chris Paul level player, but with him and just the team dynamic, like Booker and Levine, not terribly different players, right? At least I don't think. Um, and how much better he's been and how much better Paul has made the facilitator role in like even the Knicks, like Derek Rose and even Peyton at times, but Rose, like he's obviously not the guy he, he was, but if you get that level of player and like the ability to break down defenses and make good decisions, which I've seen from Rose the last month, like it just changes everything. And it makes guys like Vooch Levine, hopefully Patrick Williams better. So whether it's Alonzo ball, whether it's, they get that 20% lottery luck and, and move up in the top four to, to get a Suggs or um, a Cunningham, it's just, they, that's they just got to get that point. I just think it's going to open up so much. And my other hope is that the Lakers lose. That's my other wish for the Bulls. Uh, is there any chance, by the way, that a year from now, and we're sitting here when the Windy City Podcast is running the nation, that uh, <laughs> man, we should we shouldn't have given up a Lowry. 
They didn't use him right. Lowry was – look at what he's doing now. Can you even remotely imagine that? Uh, yes. I mean, for sure. I think there will be some of that. We're seeing that with Daniel Gafford even right now. So there's no doubt that Billy Donovan, his offense, he tried to build it around, a, you know, what, what they're having Vucevic do. You could see it's almost like – remember, Karnishvich came from the Nuggets and – they want a Nikola Jokic. They, they want that type of player to play off of it. Gafford was totally mis, misplaced in that type of role. Wendell Carter was not going to succeed in that type of role. So could Lowry, could Lowry, I mean, he's 23 years old. So I think there will be a little bit of that, but do I, will I ever be like, yeah, the Bulls were a, it would be way better with him though. Another fine for LeBron James on the flop right there. Has to be. LeBron's is shaken up. He's down on one knee on the court. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Rebound Grayson Allen. Loose ball foul. Going to be called, I believe, on Grayson as LeBron James goes down. Are you serious? Oh my goodness. Are you are you are you are you kidding me, man? It's a flop. What kind of league are we becoming if that's a flagrant foul? A technical foul call. Thompson Thompson pushes away James. And I think they thought it was one of the Raptors that hit him with a tee. Well, it, it was, was his own teammate, I think. It was actually Damari Carroll. It was Tristan Thompson that hit LeBron James. Referee Kenny Mauer thought it was Damari Carroll. And a hard screen on Chandler. And they're going to call a flagrant foul on him. LeBron James went into Chandler. That's going to be his fourth personal. It's a flop. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 